We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Miller for three. Oh, he banked it in. He banked it in. And the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Warren lets it fly. Yes. T.J. Warren is not human. Razor catches, shoots for three to win it. He hits it. To go. Brogdon for three. Let's Got go. it. O'Neal drives on Yao. Puts it in. Duarte for three. Boom, baby. Anthony attacks oh. Hibbert. Denies him at the rim. Karis LeVert. People don't realize how good he really is. LeVert. Skies high for the jam. Stevenson passes into Sabonis for the basket. Jackson turns, fires, and hits. Oh, Turner bringing that smoke. Flips it to the big fella, fake shoots, and hits. This is TJ McConnell, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Pacer Nation, what is going on? The Indiana Pacers are on a two-game winning streak, the first of the year after a 111-98 victory over the New York Knicks. Fachi, the Pacers never trailed in this game. How are we feeling? Alex, I am jacked up. Bing <laughs> bong, whatever it is those Knicks fans are saying. Woo, get out of town because when the Pacers have a winning streak, I told you it felt like we needed this game. And I know game nine, whatever it is in the season, it shouldn't be that big of a deal, but it was. Oh, it was definitely uh, it was definitely needed, Fachi, because the Pacers came out and they just punched the Knicks in the mouth in that first quarter, got a 14-point lead. The Knicks kept, you know, just chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, got it within two points. In the fourth quarter, and then all of a sudden, T.J. McConnell drills a corner three. Goga rips Derrick Rose on the pick and roll and goes coast to coast to give the Pacers a seven-point lead again, and they never look back. It was a back-and-forth game there for a little while, but the Pacers, like you said, they never trailed. And the good thing is it was a great effort from really six to seven guys tonight on the floor, but we got to start things off with the big man who hit the first shot of the game. Jonah three at the end of the shot clock. Miles Turner, 25 points in 29 minutes. Seven of 10 from three, a career high, and nine of 14 from the field. Clearly one of his best performances of the season. 
13 rebounds, three blocks. The man did it all. He did. This is an absolute tip the cap to Miles Turner game. We do not win this game without him. He was electric, and we've talked about it on here. There's something about when that first shot falls for Miles where the confidence is sky high. He yep. made his first two shots, and I went, oh, man, oh, man. Yep. Don't let Watch this out. man get in a flow, Nick. I'm telling you, because he will make you pay for it. And that's what he did. I mean, it also – he showed some toughness, and for for times that you know, Miles Turner has been labeled all sorts of things. Miles Turner got hit right in the face. His his mouth was bleeding. He had to leave the game. He comes back. He was anything but soft tonight. This man was aggressive on both ends of the floor. I mean, really brought it. Like I mentioned, Pacers do not win this game without Miles Turner. His shooting was huge tonight. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I think one of the great things about Turner is. When you play with these five, it's really hard to guard the Pacers. And if Turner's knocking down shots like he was tonight, it's going to be a recipe for success and a recipe for disaster for the opponent. Like, you know, most nights you'll see Turner get a lot of wide-open looks. I mean, most of his threes tonight were wide-open looks. But guess what? He knocked them down. So that's all that matters. I don't care if they're wide-open if they're contested. But it just shows, like, the Knicks weren't prioritizing guarding him as much as they were worried about stopping Levert and Brogdon and those – players Sabonis from getting into the paint that they were letting Miles Turner get the looks and Miles Turner made him pay and then uh, just on the glass as well he was guarding Mitchell Robinson most of the game when he was in there and you know Robinson likes to hang around the rim Sabonis was away from the basket most of the game guarding Julius Randle so it, it was really one of those things where they almost kind of flipped roles a little bit where Turner was the one that was around the basket more getting the rebounds while Sabonis was out there on the key defending probably the next best player in Julius Randle and, and really didn't have a chance to be as effective on the glass. He still had seven rebounds, but, you know, it, it was just a really, really impactful game for Miles Turner. Some people even said it was better than his 40-point performance against the Wizards. I mean, yeah, I mean, I know 40 points is always going to jump off the page, but he looked very aggressive tonight, like on both ends. I mean, I know he's been bringing it to the table on a nightly basis when it comes to shot blocking. He always does that. But I just felt like you saw it from early on. He bought into rebounding. Like yeah. he he was getting – it felt like all of the rebounds in at least the first quarter, just pulling them down. I mean, he must have had at least six rebounds in the first quarter. So it just felt like from, from the very start, he was aggressive on the glass, which you love to see. You mentioned Sabonis. I mean, Sabonis guarding Julius Randle. Look, Sabonis was in foul trouble all game. Fouls out. Uh, did a fantastic job on Julius Randle. Julius Randle is an all-star. I know we ended up with 18 and 14, but it was on 6 of 16 shooting. And in the first half, Julius Randle was really nowhere to be found. So oh, yeah. I, I thought that that was, you know, something that you got to tip the hat on because defensively, this, this, this Pacers team brought it tonight. 98 points from the Knicks. Look, you hold anyone below 100, it's great. The Knicks, they're top five in scoring this year. They average 113 points per game. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Like, Sabonis, if you look at his box score, you're thinking, oh, he played terrible tonight. And then you scroll over and look at the plus-minus. He was a plus-15, despite, you know, the lower numbers in the box score. And that's because he was so impactful defensively on Julius Randle. I'm not even trying to be a homer right now with Sabonis in terms of how much I'm a fan of him. I really thought he did a great job of staying in front of him and making it difficult. I think Randall actually got some of those points once Sabonis fouled out. I'm not I'm not for sure because I was wrapping things up there and getting ready for the pod. But, you know, I, I feel like Sabonis just used his size to his advantage and made, made that game physical. It felt like there was quite a bit of times 
especially in that third and fourth quarter where Sabonis was just getting hammered by Randall, by Noel, by um, Mitchell Robinson, and just they weren't calling the fouls. So, you know, credit to Sabonis. He played through it. He got some huge offensive rebounds at the end of the game. One led to a Turner dunk to, to give the Pacers lead a bit of a cushion there. And then he also found Turner for another three. So just, you know, just a really fun back-to-back Turbonus play there to kind of close the close the gap. But I, I want to talk a little bit here about Karis LeVert, his game, 21 points. He really bailed the Pacers out in that third quarter when things got rough, Bocce. It, it felt like this Knicks team was about to take the lead. And Karis LeVert answered almost every time down the court. With, with big shot after big shot, I, I felt like, although he was only 8 of 18, he was huge tonight. This guy just he puts pressure on the defense. When, when you have a guy like Lavert out there, he's a threat. He's an absolute scoring threat, and that's what the Pacers were missing in the beginning of the season because a guy that you mentioned could bail you out. I mean, 21 points out of Lavert, that's great. What about the three blocks he had? What about the five assists he had? I mean, this guy does a little bit of everything. In a time where the Pacers weren't even getting to the free throw line, he was getting there. I mean, 14 attempts as a team, Lavert had six of them. So it, it just shows that he adds that extra dimension to this team that, I mean, he's able to get guys other looks. I mean, it, having him out there is so impactful. Having him out there next to Malcolm Brogdon, once again, just another takes the load. It doesn't have to all be on one or two people. We're now seeing a balanced effort, two games in a row. This is six players in double figures. I mean, you nearly had seven with Goga. Yeah, yeah, Goga had a nice game tonight as well. There were some moments in the first half where I wasn't loving it, but in the second half, I thought it looked a lot better. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, just the ups and downs of trying to figure out what Goga Batadze is doing out there. But, you know, it's uh, it's interesting to see him play with Sabonis as well. You know, just changing things up, and the, and they had Sabonis guarding the four most of that time. So, Goga got to play the five in that on the defensive side of things. But, but yeah, I mean, just a great game from Lavert. I, I really was impressed, Fachi. I, I mean. Just watching him play basketball, it's so much fun. And, and he makes his team that much better. I think another person that benefited from him tonight really well was Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, Brogdon coming back from the hamstring injury, played 36 minutes, the most on the team, 6 of 12 from the field, didn't hit any of his four three-point attempts, but a 5 of 5 from the free throw line, also grabbed eight rebounds and seven assists. Brogdon, you know, as, as much as we go back and forth on things we like and things we don't like about him tonight, he showed you why he can be a great complimentary piece next to guys like Karis LeVert, Miles Turner, DeMontis Sabonis. No doubt about it. I mean, so many players played so well tonight that it's easy to look over, look past Brogdon, but he's so vital to this team. And no one can tell you that this team is better without Malcolm Brogdon. Having him in there, it just gives the Pacers so many options. Like you mentioned, and some guys are going to get wide open threes because it makes them that much dangerous. They have that many more players that you need to defend that are capable three-point shooters. I mean, you look in that lineup, like, yeah, you mentioned Brogdon didn't hit any of his threes tonight, but come on, you can't leave him open. You know, I mean, Miles Turner was hitting threes tonight. Lavert, having a guy like Brogdon in there, it just feels like the team is being led properly. You know, we're under control, and you get to see more of a, I'd say like a prettier game rather than just some ugly game where, Brad Wanamaker's getting 20-plus minutes, and you don't know what's going on, and then everyone else is taking turns at it. No, that's our point guard. Yeah, and the nice thing, too, that I love about Brogdon is just his size. You know, we talk about that a little bit, but not very often. I mean, he is a good 6'5", good 6'6", and 
Kimba Walker trying to guard him, you know, he didn't really have much success at that. You know, I know Kimba got a couple of charges there, but, you know, Kimba Walker to me is a guy that he was only two of 11 tonight, was not impactful whatsoever. The Pacers, you know, I thought they did a good job of not putting Brogdon on Walker most of the game from, from what I saw. And in case I'm just missing something, because I don't want to be like, like set in stone on that, but I saw Duarte on him quite a bit. And I thought this makes the most sense to me, putting someone a little bit more, uh, quick on their feet than Brogdon and uh, a little bit longer can cost Kimball Walker some problems. But yeah, Kimball was terrible. Fournier was not very good either, 5 of 12 for 14 points. So really, it was the Knicks bench that kept them afloat in this game, Fachi. And the Pacers bench outside of Torrey Craig, it, it was not the greatest. I, I, I tweeted at one point without Craig, I think they were like 4 of 18 from the field. And then that's when that sequence happened with McConnell and Gogo Batadze knocking down those baskets. But still, you know, 28 points from the bench, you'll take it. But uh, just just they got to figure out a way to maybe balance that lineup a little bit. I know that there's going to be times where we see different lineups with Rick Carlisle as the coach. But Foch, I just – I was a little bit perplexed with just how inefficient the bench was. I, I get that the, the starting five was really pretty efficient. But, you know, Justin Holiday, man, it's just another rough game. Oh, of 7 from 3. Not sure what's going on with this guy, but I'm hoping he figures this out soon. Yeah, it's tough. It looked like I saw him, you know, motion to his wrist. I know it was taped up. I don't know if maybe there's an issue there with his wrist right now, but he had a lot of looks at good looks at threes, and none of them went in at all. I mean, they were wide open, too. They they were wide open looks. Like, it was one of those where you missed the first four, you're like, okay, sure, all right, whatever. Then he missed five, six, and then it was like, okay, how many times are we going to keep giving him the ball? And, like, I understand, you know, getting your shooters going, but – Justin Holiday's not like one of the Curry brothers or anything like that. Like this isn't a guy that you're just going to feed him the ball time after time to shoot threes. At some point, you got to cut him off. And I mentioned before, seeing him shoot 13 threes a few nights ago, it still has me like a bit like scarred because is he just, is he not going to take it in the perimeter anymore? Is he just strictly a three-point shooter? Because he's not a good enough three-point shooter to be strictly a three-point sniper. You yeah, know? I mean, he's had some really good numbers in the last he, couple of years. He's he's good. Right around he, the 40%, right, if which, I'm not which mistaken. Is, which is nice, but the volume's up this year. It's up. No, that's true, but that's because of Carlisle, right? Yeah. And, and it could just be the different lineups that he's played with. I mean, look at him. He's been a starter for half the season, came off an injury, and then now he's back with the bench unit, and the bench units have been kind of different, so – you know, I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. You know what I'm saying? Because we know that he can shoot the ball well. I mean, he didn't shoot it bad against the Spurs. I thought he had a pretty good game there. So, you know. He was great in that game. This was just a very hot and cold performance. No in between. Yeah, it just just felt like all the threes that he missed, Miles Turner made. So, it was just like, you know, usually you don't see Turner go for 70% from three. You might see him go four of 10 or three of 10 from three. But, you know, Justin's just got to keep shooting because that's what he's out there to do. I mean, 23 minutes, he's clearly the sixth man of this team. He he does things on the defensive side of the ball that, you know, that you really like about him. I, I think Torrey Craig does that as well. So I'm just – I'm trying not to overreact to it too much, but I don't like what I'm seeing in terms of just, you know, not settling for the three-point shot, but, you know, just continuing to jack them up even that's when they're not falling. Like. You know, so, so maybe there's ways that they can get him more involved with just like some – backdoor cuts and stuff like that to get him an easy two and maybe that'll get his three-point shot going but I mean if all you're doing is taking the majority of your shots from three and they're not going in it's got to mess with your confidence at some point 
Yeah, it's got to. And obviously the Pacers did everything they could to get him involved because they kept swinging it to him and giving him opportunities, which I, I respect. I do. Now, one of the next questions I have for you is, were you, what were you thinking when Keelan Martin came in that early? Because Keelan Martin is a guy that we didn't even know if the Pacers were going to guarantee his contract. He misses the first, you know, seven games of the season. And all of a sudden he's out there in the rotation right away. And O'Shea Brissett is not. You know, what's funny is in the moment, I saw Torrey Craig at that second foul, I believe it was in the first quarter. And they put Keelan Martin in the game, and I didn't think two things about it. I was scrolling on Twitter, and they're like, where's O'Shea Brissett? And I was like, oh, my gosh. Mental lapse, I forgot about him. I'm, I'm not trying to be, like, rude or anything like that, but out of sight, out of mind for me in that moment, I wasn't thinking one thing about O'Shea Brissett in that game. Uh, I was actually like, okay, Keelan, you know, did all right in, in his debut against the Spurs. Maybe they're just – trying to give him a little run here. He only played five minutes. It was that little spurt there that he played in the first quarter. So, or the first half, excuse me. But yeah, Bursette, I mean, I don't, I don't know what's going on with him. It's like ever since he had that big breakout game, we've talked about it. You know, he played back-to-back games after that, got some decent run. And then after that, he's just not been in the rotation. So did not play coach's decision tonight. And I know fans probably aren't super thrilled about that, but right now the paces are winning. I mean, we talked about it. Torrey Craig is the guy that has really stepped up his game, but the guy that I was, the guy that I think has taken away Brissett's minutes is not Keelan Martin, but it's Goga Batadze. Mm-hmm. Goga has stepped in here and is playing. They're playing double big with him and him and Domas or him and Miles over maybe going with a more uh, traditional or not traditional, but today's type of NBA where you have a a four that can put the ball on the floor and shoot and that kind of thing. Where where Goga is more of a spot up shooter, I think O'Shea is more of a can he can get to the he can get to the basket. You know what I'm saying? He can he can he can score it. Maybe I don't know about three levels, but at least two at the rim and from three. So yeah, exactly. It's, you know, it's 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 frustrating. I'm sure for him and I'm sure for fans. But at this point, Carlisle's got to try everything he can to win. And if it means O'Shea is not in the rotation, then uh, we'll see how it goes later in the season. But he's just got to be ready when his numbers call. Of course. I mean, look, you're not going to catch me with a sign outside the stadium ready to riot if O'Shea doesn't get in. <laughs> I O'Shea. You know, yeah, exactly. I want to win. I'll take these wins however we can get them. And tonight, Goga played 10 minutes. It was enough for him to be able to, you know, get in a little bit of a flow. And that's what he did. Eight points in 10 minutes. He goes two, four from three, something that he had really struggled from. So it was great to see him knock down some threes. It gets a couple of rebounds. I mean, it, it, it was good to see because it's, it always feels like a crime when, like, Gogo gets, like, 45 seconds or, like, a minute. It's like, come on, what are you going to do other than jack up a three, miss it, and then just, you know, look like, oh, Gogo missed his only shot. So it was good to be able to see him get some shots that wasn't completely in garbage time. Um, but just a game right now where I was – I was pretty much happy by everyone's performance. I mean, TJ McConnell, I, I think, has put together some better games. You know, look, two of six is never going to impress anybody, but the no turnovers, that's what I'm looking at. Six assists, no turnovers right over there. He's a plus four in there. He hits a three, which is always shocking because, Alex, I'm sure you probably saw. I mean, he has that wide-open look right at the top. of. The, oh, my God, he loves that shot, just a straight-on three. I yeah. haven't really seen it go on much. He loves that, and I'm sure in practice he's probably hitting that all the time. But, ooh, man, it ain't working. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, I saw your tweet. You're like, I would please like him to never shoot a three again, right? You know, I was... Of course, I think he made the next one. Yeah, so it's okay. I mean, I'm right there. I'm right there with you, though, bro, because it just feels like when he shoots at top of the the three or top of the key three, it it always feels like it's when when the Pacers really need a big shot. I agree. It doesn't go in. It's more of like the timing. Like if he takes that in the second quarter and we're up by 10 or even up by five, whatever, I'm like, okay, not a big deal. But it's like here we are in the fourth quarter trying to, you know, trying to keep the Knicks from coming back. And here he is holding this three. And I'm like, what's going on? Uh, the corner three, he had to shoot. The shot clock was winding down and he drilled it. So I, I think that McConnell should only take corner threes. I, I think that's probably the best spot for him because they're shorter and he doesn't have to like hurt himself trying to get the ball to the rim. So that, that was, that's just the thing with him. It's like, it, just play good defense, be scrappy get in the paint, hit a couple tough, you know, fadeaway jumpers and play your 25 minutes and be uh, uh, positive when you're in the game. But, you know, don't try to be somebody you're not. I, I get what you're saying, and that's kind of how I feel. I just feel like each time when he's at the, the top of the perimeter, I feel like he, like, hesitates for a bit and he thinks it over and he's like, what do you think? Should I do it? And then by the time he puts it up there, it, it doesn't go in. It's just like it's got to come more natural to him. Like sometimes you see when Miles Turner is in a float, they'll swing it in and he'll put it right up, you know, or like obviously Duarte is a really good shooter. It's like that's a, it's different with him. But I just feel like TJ thinks about it too much. And at that point, he, maybe he's in his own head, whatever it is. Maybe it's just not a shot, but it's not going in. So I'm with you on the corner threes. It seems like he might have a higher success rate at those. But a guy that we didn't even mention. I mean, it's crazy how much could change in, in a couple episodes. But uh, Chris Duarte. Oh, I mean, man. We didn't, even, we didn't even touch it. It took us this long <laughs> to even get here. But death, taxes, and scoring in double figures. It's what Chris <laughs> Duarte does. He does it again. And, Alex, we have another one of those ridiculous stats for rookie guards to score 12-plus points in the first eight games. Unfortunately, the streak ended. The only guys to ever do it, Chris Duarte, Damian Lillard, John Wall, Michael Jordan, and Jeff Malone. Oh, wow. It's a pretty good list if you ask me. 
<laughs> no, I think it's great. Anytime you're in a list with Michael Jordan, hey, you run with it. Love it. But, but Chris Duarte, I mean, really, he had eight points in the first quarter and only finished with 10. He wasn't really involved a lot. And if you look at his shot attempts, he was, you know, uh, fourth in terms of team total shot attempts. Tory Craig was tied for nine as well. Domas only took eight, which is not normal. Uh, but Turner had 14. Levert had 18. Brogdon at 12. So, he I mean, he didn't shoot the ball a lot. He had some nice looks. He was efficient, you know, four of nine from the field, two of four from three. Had a huge three once again oh in the first God. quarter. I mean, I, I when he looked at the clock, he just, like, said, I got it. Don't worry. He was smiling from ear to ear. He pulled up, like, eight feet behind the three-point line. Cash money as the clock expires. I was just like, this guy is so much fun to watch. Like, I, I, I don't know how any fan can sit here and watch him play throughout these first nine games and just be like, I don't like this guy. He is so fantastic. He was also fantastic on – the sideline guys podcast. I don't know if you got a chance to listen to that interview. I haven't yet, but it's on my list. Uh, JJ and Pat did a great job giving us a little bit behind the scenes to figure out who Chris Duarte is. And he said, yeah, a lot of times after games, I'll just pinch myself like, wow, I can't believe I'm in the NBA and I'll, I'll lay down in bed and I'll start scrolling through all, all the stuff on social media and seeing all the nice comments about me and watch the highlights. He said, I like watching highlights of myself. I mean, I'm just like, <laughs> Uh, what what person wouldn't want to do that? And how many players probably do that? They're probably like, hey, I want to see how I played tonight. Okay, I did really good things out here. So, you know, he's having fun. And this Pacers team, once fully healthy, like we're starting to get there. We're starting to see like, hey, this is why we said we would be better than the Knicks when we were doing our pre uh, our, our season predictions before the before the season started because we we felt like Rick Carlisle was going to be able to write this ship, figure this thing out for the Indiana Pacers, and you know. N- Three games with Levert, really, you think about it, if Levert plays in all of those games for the entirety of the game, we're probably 3-0. So it, uh, it it's one of those things where you just have to be patient. It's early in the season. We talked about that. It's frustrating at first, but it's still very early. We're 3-6. and six. Got some winnable games on this road trip, and, you know, you win a couple games on the road, and you're right back at an almost 500 record, and, you know, you can try to figure things out and, and just take it one game at a time. You can't convince me that we don't win those three games without Levert because two of them are one-point losses. The other game, I mean, we're talking about the next game is is when he played, you know, only the first half. We, we end up losing by just a few points. It's like, come on. It, that, that feels like if Levert plays, we win. Regardless, whatever it is, we probably win at least two of those three games. For, bottom line is that this is a – you can't deny it. This is a better team with Karis Levert in the lineup by far. A basketball – it's fun again watching the Pacers, seeing them out there. You feel like we're in every single game. And then seeing him next to Brogdon, like I mentioned before, it's just like that's what we envision. We're, we're talking about four-fifths of the starting lineup. We're not even getting greedy here. I'm not even asking for T.J. Warren yet. I'm just saying just give us at least four starters, and we're going to do some damage because that Nick team, they were completely healthy. They were. They had all their guys. Nerlens well, who admit that was his first game of the season, they had everybody. Well, we're without Jeremy Lamb. We're without TJ Warren. We're without Isaiah Jackson. It's like, this is just, they look great tonight. And it, it was fun. And obviously, anytime you don't trail, it's going to be fun. But things they did right, just 11 turnovers. I mean, one of them happened at the very end just to kill the shot clock. So it's basically 10. At this point, seven blocks. Uh, you won the rebounding battle. I mean, it's like you shot 39% from three. The Pacers did a lot of things. Really, really well tonight. They guarded the perimeter 
really well tonight. The Knicks yeah. only made five of 24 threes. The Knicks came in tonight one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league. So this was an effort tonight all around the board that I was proud of to say, like, hey, we got a winning streak now. I'm tired of the excuses. Let's just play ball. Yeah, you got two of the most old-school coaches in the NBA, probably between Thibodeau and Carlisle yep. out there. It was a, a slugfest. I mean, there's a lot of non-calls that could have gone both ways. I mean, we talk about Sabonis getting fouled, but there were some other calls that you could have said, hey, the Pacers should have got maybe maybe a foul call here or there against them. But I, I agree with you, Fachi. And you talk about the defense. Like, looking at this Pacers defense over the last few games, I know they gave up 118 to the Spurs, but that was, you know, really in garbage time. They held the Raptors to hardly any points or to a lower amount of points as well in the game that they lost. So it's one of those things where I'm starting to see better defense from this Pacers team. They held them to 97 points on Saturday. I couldn't remember off the top of my head. But, yeah, I, I tweeted out that it's just so nice to see a more competent defense. And someone came back at me on Twitter and was like, well, they're not resulting in wins. And it's like, well, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about the defense looks better. It, it's just nice to see um, more um, normal defense. Uh, these guys are, are they're limited in some ways, but they can really play a, a, a good team defense if they're all bought into their role. And last year they weren't bought into the role. Jay Michael came on here and talked about how Karis LeVert said, I'm going to play defense. So I want to play it. I don't care what Bjorkman says. They were clearly outmatched against the Wizards every time they played them because Bjorkman's style and schemes were so bad. But Carlisle, you know, him and Lloyd Pierce, they're not afraid to change things up. They, they go to zone sometimes. They change up the matchups. They, they figure out the best way to defend the opponent, and it can change every single game, and that's what you want. You want adaptability. But, Fachi, I don't know if you had a chance to see the news or not, but Rick Carlisle gave us a quote on T.J. Warren. Do you want to hear it? I do. So Rick Carlisle today was asking the post-game press conference, T.J. Warren got another scan yesterday, and it's great news. He is out of the boot. There is no timetable. It will be weeks, but hopefully not months. Coach Carlisle provided an update on T.J. Warren during his postgame media availability. That was a tweet from the Indiana Pacers Twitter account. So, Fachi, um, I think that we talked about probably 2022, but for a while there I was saying during that home stretch when the Pacers play a lot of games at home in December is when we could see T.J. Warren, and I think we could be inching closer to that. I sold myself a while ago that it would be at the minimum December, minimum. And it, it just at least hear that December seems like it's going to happen, I'll gladly take it. I, I've already moved on of any idea of having T.J. Warren in the lineup anytime soon. So if you tell me a month, I, I, I can wait. I, I can do it. Seeing him out of the boot, it, it's, it's a great sign. I mean, seeing him in sneakers over there, it, it, was, it was very encouraging. It's like – you, the Pacers are giving us little by little stuff to be excited about again. And if we can get Warren back in a month, I think we can weather the storm. It's a long season. Guys, remember, it's 10 games longer than last year. So it's like, just just hang in there. We don't need to, to trade everybody before TJ Warren even gets back. You know, so we're on our way. Oh, yeah, <laughs> for, for sure. And, and one thing I'll say, it's like Warren's not in game shape. So no, it's it's, it's going to be a while. It's, it's even when he comes back, he's going to have to come back. You know what I'm saying? This ain't so, going to be Bubble Warren, you know, to start. <laughs> Everybody needs to know that. Yeah, this is uh, this is Chubba Warren. <laughs> he's got to lose some weight. He's got to lose some weight. Uh, he looks a little bit heavier, and I understand why. I mean, he can't do anything right now. He's in a boot. What is he supposed to do exercise wise? So, you know, I'm sure he'll slim down as he continues to ramp things back up and get ready for game action. Karis Levert mentioned. 
you know, and, and I think JJ brought this up on the podcast about how he brought up Lavert. you know, having him back would be huge too. So, or not Lavert, a warm back would be huge. So I'm uh, I'm excited to see what this team can do. And I think really, as we're watching the starting five with Duarte in that starting five, I think the bench really could use Duarte scoring once Warren's fully healthy. Uh, I, I don't have any idea if we're ever going to see the starting five healthy, you know, knock on wood here, but I just, I'm hopeful. And if we can, I, I think the bench could really benefit from having a guy like Duarte out there. I wouldn't say run the offense through him completely, but you know, some of those, uh, those, some of those looks that holiday was getting, maybe Duarte gets some of those. And I, I think that at this point throughout the season, you could say Duarte is a more efficient shooter. So I'm i I'm intrigued by what we're seeing from this team altogether though, Fachi. Once you get some of those guys that were on the bench out of the starting lineup and back in their normal role, it starts to feel, you start to feel better about this team. You start to feel like, okay, this is a better idea of who we are supposed to be. No doubt about it, because realistically, Chris Duarte is too good to be the fifth option in an offense. He he really is. I mean, we talked about it how just nine shots tonight, and it's like, hey, he played a great role tonight. He really did. But you you move him to the bench. He can be a first or second option at all times, and I think that that, that would benefit the Pacers very much because you look at 28 points out of the bench tonight. Uh, are we going to be able to count on eight from Goga a night? I don't think so. Torrey Craig with 12, I can't even count on that. You really can't. I don't think Torrey Craig is going to average 12 this year. Maybe he finishes seven, I don't know, somewhere around there. Who knows? But I just feel like you move Duarte back to the bench uh, when TJ Warren's healthy. This Pacers team is going to be that much deeper. You're also going to add Jeremy Lamb to that, that bench when he returns. It makes you feel like that bench is now capable of being able to, you know, be on the court together and buying time for any starters that are in foul trouble or whatever the situation may be. It makes the Pacers that much deeper. And it just feels like this season, it always feels like someone's coming back into the mix. So it gives you something to, to look forward to of like, hey, well, we're, we're almost getting the full strength. I mean, a guy like Jeremy Lamb tonight, he'd been in double figures. And we talked about it. It was five games in a row. Uh, at, at one point, the Pacers are losing that lead. It, it could be nice to have a guy who can give you. 10 points in that lineup. <laughs> yeah, I know Jeremy Lamb's offense would have been huge for this game. And now defensively, how bad would he have been? So, you know, you got to take the good with the bad there, Foch. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm not trying to dog on Lamb right now, but, you know, uh, whose minutes does he take? I have zero idea. Probably Keelan Martin. Definitely Martin for sure. Well, but that's it. Maybe Goga's. I mean, maybe you go a little bit smaller there with Justin and Lamb. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's an interesting thing there, but I, I'm fine with what we saw tonight, Fachi. It feels great to get back to double wins. We haven't seen it all year long. Never trailed this game. Never trailed. Uh, it was it was just something else, Foch. So that wraps up our, our post-game coverage. Is there anything else you want to talk about? I just want to say getting out to a hot start has been so vital the last two games. Pacers scored 36 points in the first quarter against the Knicks. They set the tone real early against San Antonio with a similar performance. I think it was 43 in the first uh, yeah. I mean, really, those those hot starts is what the Pacers need because at some point, you know, they always go cold. They, they have those cold stretches. So to get out to a hot start, that's great. But also winning the fourth quarter. The Pacers outscored the Knicks by eight tonight in the fourth quarter. It was great to see them put a team away. And I just got to say, I feel like I was driving babe nuts because I was just sitting on the couch just going, the boys, they're back. They're, they're oh back. I just kept saying it, and she kept saying, I know, I heard you. And I was like, babe, I mean, 
They really are. And that's what it, it just feels so good tonight. I mean, it, it's 10, we're recording after 10 p.m. I don't know if I'm going to sleep tonight because we're on a oh winning God. streak, Alex. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're back. Oh, man, Fachi, I love the energy, man. I, I didn't get too excited at all and, until Miles Turner hit that three after he had the go-ahead. Well, not the go-ahead, but he had the basket, like I mentioned earlier. That's a bonus assisted to him on that offensive rebound. Then he hit the three. I was like, let's go. Yeah, I, I don't usually get vocal like that, but I really didn't want to lose there this game. Is. So uh, I, I was getting a little amped up there, man. It was great. I was like, this is what I wanted to see. Get you a win and go out here and take care of business and let the, let the rest of the league sleep on us as we got off to a slow start. They do that every year. Whoever starts out great early in the first two weeks, they talk about them for months, and then whoever starts off bad, they forget about them. And then you're looking at March, April. They're like, well, how'd the Pacers win 46 games? It's like they started off two and six. It's like, well, you weren't watching the, the, in the middle of the season, you know, when games are still just as important as they are in the first couple of weeks. You're just not as excited about it. So really like what we saw tonight. Everybody, it's good to be positive, good to talk about a win. But, Fachi, I just got to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you to all of our listeners who have gone and given us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We have already seen the numbers go up by at least 10 since the last time we checked. So y'all are doing amazing work there. And, and we've seen a few people screenshot those reviews to let us know they did it. If you want to if you want to enter into our prize package, we still haven't come up with the exact package yet, but we're going to do something for you. S make sure you submit your rating and review to Apple Podcasts. Even if you don't listen on Apple, go over there and give us a nice rating and review. It helps us get more noticeable with uh, all the other podcasts that they're covering this team, send us a screenshot that you submitted a rating and review, and we will enter your name into the drawing for a chance at a nice prize package here from setting the pace. And, and Fachi, I, I haven't really ever done this before too often on the pod, but if you're just a listener of this podcast and you're not downloading the episodes, it would be beneficial for us and, and for the show to grow once again, if you could just hit that download button. That way, if you ever happen to run out of Wi-Fi or you want to charge your phone on airplane mode because it charges faster, little tip there, you can still listen to the podcast. So that's the little housekeeping I have, Fachi. Anything you want to add to that? No, I just want to just kind of echo it and just say, hey, guys, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. I mean, the, you guys truly do make the show. You're what makes us want to record right after the game so you can have this to listen to in the morning rather than make you guys wait. It's like that's how passionate we are to bring you guys the best possible content that we can. So yeah. thank you very much. Absolutely. Well, I've been rambling more than you tonight, Fachi, which is – it always happens when we do late pods. I catch myself rambling and rambling and rambling. So here I go again. Let us know where people can find us at on social media. All right. So you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at setting the pace. And you can find us on TikTok at setting the pace. And if you're excited that the boys are back, say these three words. Let's go, Pacers. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes 
ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.